And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So the Lord said to him, go, for he is my chosen vessel, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road has, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Hallelujah. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Last week, we started talking about discovering your personal vision. And I want to continue on that same road. Discovering your personal vision, if you like. Discovering your personal vision too. Amen. And uh, we, we looked at a few things. And I want to go on. I don't want to go back. So I'm going to go on. In case you're not with us, you can look uh, watch last week's um, episode and you understand what's going on. Amen. If God wants to destroy anybody, what he does is he bless the person's vision or he stops the vision. In the same way God wants to bless anybody, he gives the person a vision. In fact, we know the major prophets from the minor prophets because the of the amount of times God appeared to them. Are you with me? We look at uh, Isaiah, we look at uh, Jeremiah, we look at uh, Obadiah, we look at Amos, Haggai, and everything. What we, why do we call some major prophets and call some minor prophets? It's because of the level of visions or the level of times, the number of times God appeared to them and the details of the vision that God gave them. In other words, the number, the, the, the clarity of the vision that God gives you, the more uh, of, of God that comes into you, the more uh, important you are in the Bible. Are you with me? So all the fathers, uh, like God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, all those guys, God appeared to them. And the number of times God appeared to them is how relevant they become. Am I making sense? So all of us must pray and endeavor that we would apprehend and catch the reason why God has called us. There's a scripture I want you to look at in Lamentation chapter 2. Lamentation chapter 2. Here God wants to destroy a people. And look at what God does. God wants to destroy a group of people. So God says, the Lord has purpose to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he has caused the rampant 
and the wall to lament. They languish together. The gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. The Lord is no more her the law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. Hallelujah. When God wanted to destroy the land, he made sure that the word of God had no relevance in the life of the people. And he took away the vision that the people operated by. Are you with me? In other words, if God wants to destroy you, he will take away your mind from his word, and from the vision that he has for you. If you reverse it, it's, 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 it's true that if God wants to bless you, he gives you a vision and he gives you his word. And with that, you can make impact in life. Hallelujah. Look, let's contrast what we have just read from, with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 to 12. He says that, To me, whom am the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through him in faith. Hallelujah. Can you see the, the contrast? This is the person whom God is using. He has given him a clear purpose and vision. As to what to do. Are, are you with me? And the guy, Paul knew exactly what he was doing. And it's so obvious and so clear. It's to the point that when Paul gets to um, Ephesians, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, he says that I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only me, but also all that have loved his appearing. Now, Paul could not know when he had finished the course, unless he knew when the course started. Isn't that true? He would never have known that he has finished the course. And if he didn't know the type of race he was in, how would he know when he finished? How would he know when he started the race? Am I making sense? Are you getting my argument? So Paul knew his race that he was in because you and I know that there are many types of races. There's a spoon race. There's the egg and spoon race. There is a, the 100 meter race. There's a blindfold race. There's the hurdles. There's also sack race. There is the steeple chase. How many have done steeple chase before? That's the one you do, you jump on the water. Then you go, jump, 
you know, and you huddle, and then you run, and then you jump water, then you huddle again, then you run. That's triple chase. And there's 5,000 meters, there's 10,000 meters. There is a, the mile, there is a, a, what do you call it, road race. There are different types of races. So how can Paul says, I say, I finished my race. There's even the boat race. So he must have known the race he was in. He must have known the length of the race. He must have known when he started the race, when he got to the middle of the race, and when he finished the race. Otherwise, this scripture doesn't make sense. Amen. We read in the beginning that when God started with him, he says that I will show him the many things he, he must suffer. For he is my chosen vessel who will go and preach to the Gentiles and to kings and to the children of Israel. This is what I have called him for. And throughout the life of Paul, he kept on asking for God to give him a vision of his purpose. When I say vision, I'm not talking about having a, a very, you know, like a mystical God appearing in a dream or appearing to you as you are sleeping in your room. My son, my son, I've called you and I'm going to do this. I'm going, no, no, no. But I'm talking about you discovering the purpose of God for your life. Hallelujah. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul. He says, not that I've already attained but I am already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one, this one thing I do, forgetting all the things that are behind I, and reaching forth for those things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal of the price of the upward call. I'm pressing on to, for the goal. In verse 10, give me verse 10. Verse 10, he says something there that's interesting. Can you find verse 10 for me? That's Philippians 3.10. He says that, not that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I want, to, I want to know him. I want to be so close to know him so much that I can understand what he wants from me. How many, after you've worked with somebody, you know the person and you know what they like? Even before they open their mouth, you can tell that this is what will please them and this is what they will not be happy about. This is what they will say. If they were in this situation, this is what they would prefer. For you to be able to have the mind of somebody, you must know the person. And when you know them, then you know his will. And you know what the, his desire is. You know what he likes, what he wants done, and what he doesn't want done. Are, are you with me? For instance, if, let's say, for instance, you are a pastor of CICC, and we send you to a place to go and start a church. And if we come and we find that you put a table and you put yellow candles and red candles and blue candles and pink candles and you've, you've lighted all the candles and you have put point incense. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying nothing is wrong, but that is not what we do. Am I making sense? 
We don't do that. So it means either you don't know the church you belong to or the, 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 the leader of the church or what, what the church stands for. You don't know it. That's why you are, you are off sacrificing and killing goats. And, no, 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 you are off, completely off. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I'm not making sense. Yeah, you need to know the person. Get to have a relationship so that you can discover the purpose of God for your life. There's a scripture, we, 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 a prayer we pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Say, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is done in what? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that prayer? It's because we want to get the vision and the purpose of God for our lives. So every time we are praying that your will, let me discover your will so that I can do your will on earth. Amen. Are you with me so far? So that is the thing that every child of God, every Christian, no matter where you go to church, no matter what your church believes in, you yourself, you must find what God wants from, for you. Otherwise, you cannot say what Paul said. Because you will know whether you are in the right race or the wrong race. You will know whether you finished the race, even started the race. Amen. How many want to know the race God has for, for you? Yeah, I also want to know. All of us might want to know what race God has called for us so that we will be able to do the right thing. Amen. I said in, uh, in uh, I think last, on Sunday, that once we get born again, that's the greatest miracle in our lives, isn't it? And we receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The next thing that we must want and desire from God for our lives is his purpose for our life. Amen. We must desire it and we must know it. We must desire to have a vision from the Lord. Let us desire to know what God has purpose for us. Amen. For we know in Jeremiah that I know the plans that I think towards you. Isn't it? Jeremiah 29. I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans of good and not of evil to bring you, to give you a future and a hope and to bring you to an expected end, which means that God has an expected end for you and I. You can't have an expected end for anybody if you don't have a purpose or a desire, a vision for the person. Amen. Even we as earthly parents, we have a desire and a purpose and a plan for our children. Isn't that true? And we, we, we pray and we hope that our children would walk in the purpose and the plans that we have for them. How much more God? Obviously, God has a purpose and a plan for you. Amen. And it is in, in our interest to discover what his purpose and his plans are for us. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. And Paul tells us how to do that. He says that I press on. I press on that I may attain the purpose and be, understand why he has apprehended me and what he wants from me. Amen. And then he goes on to say that as 
as everyone who is matured in Philippians 3.15, as many as are matured in God, they must have the same vision, the same mind. If God has anything otherwise, he will reveal it. But God hasn't got anything otherwise. He wants to know the vision. He wants you to discover your vision and your purpose. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? God wants us to pursue a specific vision. And today, I want us to discover what God's vision is for you. Amen. Oh, I said God has a specific vision for you. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God, that God may open the door. Now, the vision, the way God shows us our vision is not always in a form of him coming to speak to you like he did in Acts chapter 9. Are you with me? But for the rest or the majority of us, God comes and shows us our purpose and our vision, the vision for our lives, like the way when you come on an airplane and you arrive. The, how do you get to know where to go? How many know how you get to know where you are going? As you are moving, you, as you are falling, some doors are on the left or on the right, but they are locked. Isn't it? You see that this is a door. Sometimes it's open, but they put a line there that you can't cross. Then you know that you have to go this way. Then at a point, it goes left. And at a point, it goes right. And at the point, it goes left again. Then it goes round. Then you see that at the point, you have to descend escalator or ascend on an escalator and then pass somewhere. Pass the, before you realize, you are at the arrival hall. Are you, are you getting it? So, for most of us, the way God shows us his purpose for our lives is the doors that he opens. And the places he takes us. It is windy. It is going this way. It is going that way. And we know that and we know that all things work together for the good of, of them that are what they're called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for you and I. But that purpose only comes when you are following. You see, at the point you think that this is a bad road. This is a bad place. You are lost. Then before you realize, you pass another place. It's a bad place. I don't know whether you've been through uh, Heathrow, especially when it comes to Heathrow Terminal, I think three or four. It's one of the longest, windy places you have to pass before you get to the entrance hall. Sometimes you see you have to climb a, a, a escalator. Then you pass a left. Then you, at a point you feel that you are lost. But then you see that everybody's moving. Then some people pass left. Then you see right before you realize it opens to a big entrance hall. There's a if you have ever gone to is it I don't know whether it's Luton Airport or one of those airports Luton or or no if it's not Luton it's East uh, what's it called the one in um, Midlands East Midlands Airport. You go through a porter a porter cabin. It's like a porter cabin, but it's a windy road. But that takes you to the entrance hall. 
So it doesn't matter how dingy the road is. As you are moving and moving and moving, it brings you to the final destination. So all of us, we are part, we are following. That's why Paul says that I want to press on and keep going so that I will lay hold of the purpose for which I was apprehended. As you move on and continue, that is when you get to know. Amen. God will bring people your way. God will bring uh, places. You find yourself in a place. You find yourself doing something. You came to the church. You ain't plan on doing this. You ain't plan on doing that. Before you realize you are doing this. Before you realize you move from this place and you are doing something else. Before you realize you are moving from that place to another place. And all those things are God's orchestration. You'll be going for round and round and round. I remember when I came to church. Me, I was not interested in church. All I was interested in was music. So I joined the church. And then as I was there, I was always with the band, the bandsmen. I was always around with them because I like the music. I'm always there. Then one day the drama didn't come. But because I was always there helping to uh, uh, offload and unpack uh, and unpack, he said, I was watching the drama before I realized the drama was away. I started playing the drums. Gradually, then from the drums to the, to the keyboard, and then I was there. I was happy in that place. Then one day, the choir director was transferred, went somewhere, and then they said, I go and conduct the choir. I've never ever conducted. I don't like singing. I don't sing. I don't know anything about singing. Before I realized, this is where I was. You know? And so I thought it was just... Do, do, do. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm learning how to do, 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 do. But what I didn't realize was that I was being taught how to handle people. How to handle, you know, so from the drums, it's just one stop, then to another stop, then to another stop. I thought it was the, the end. And when I got to the choir, the beginning was rough. Then gradually I got good at conducting, I got good at, you know, Leading these choir people, and because there are crazy people in the choir. Yeah. And you know, all these, these young ladies, when they are in their time of the month, they are some way, their behavior is some way. You can't, I mean, when I go to the choir, I know who is in their period and who is not. Because you, so I sing them, and say, it's okay. <laughs> so right. let's go to, to somebody else. You know, and gradually, gradually, then one day my pastor comes there. Oh, have you ever thought of being a pastor? No. But you see, I never planned to hold the microphone and be a pastor. But as I followed and I was walking left, right, left, right, left, right, it began to be clear the purpose of God for my life. You know, and then I realized that my purpose was not the drums or the keyboard or the guitar or the singing or the choir. It was not it, but all those things helped to bring me to where I needed to be. Am I making sense? Hello? The way you've gone quiet, I don't know whether. You know, so when Paul says that, meanwhile, I am praying also that God will open the door for us. So that we'll be able to see when the door is open is one indication of where God wants you to go. Are you with me? 
So as God opens the doors and begins to show you, pass here, pass there, pass, none of us plan to be sitting where we are sitting today. How many plan to be in this church and to be doing what you are doing? So it means it's all part of God's plan. Am I making sense? Oh, hello? So I'm, let me give you four ways, four ways, four ways to discover the vision for, of God for your future. Four ways God uses. Four things that will happen when God gives you a vision. Four things that will show you God's vision for your life. Number one, when God wants to, you to pursue a specific vision for your life, he will give you an unshakable desire towards that goal, no matter how many setbacks occur. Unshakable desire. My purpose and my desire was music in the church. So that was all I was focused on. Then as I came to be in the car, I realized that the purpose was not just the music or the singing, but the welfare of the people that were singing. Are, are you with me? Their spiritual welfare, their natural welfare became my concern. So as the passion grew, it was more than the music. It was more like the people who are producing the music. Am I making sense? As, as you go and see, God is the one who puts desires in people's hearts. And the desire and the passion that God puts in your heart is an indication of God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Do you understand? There are some people, their passion is to pray and get everybody praying. But as you go on, get everybody to pray, you realize that it's more than just getting the people to pray, but your passion is the people who are praying. So you may not come from the gate I came from. Because when the, the airplane lands, some, some people are gate one, some are gate two, some are gate three, some are gate four, different gates. But then we all arrive at the arrival hall. Same arrival hall. How do we come? We come from different junctions, different ways. But the passion to get out of the airport is what is driving all of us from the plane we pass here, pass there. This one is also passing here, passing there, passing here, passing there. But as we all follow on, Hosea says that then shall we know if we follow on to know. As we go on, we'll find ourselves at the river hall. And they will know that this is where. See, so where your passion is driving you, that's exactly where God has called you. My passion is to sing in the house of God. To be a worshiper in the house of God. Yeah. As you follow on, the passion increases. And then sometimes you realize that it's not just the singing, but there's more to the singing that you're passionate about. Am I making sense? And as you go on and go on, then you became, everything becomes clearer. So it starts with the desire. So maybe if you are waiting, that as I'm preaching, I'm waiting and as I go and sleep, God is going to show, give me a revelation. Come, my daughter, my daughter, hey, sorry, my son, 
I've come into your room. <laughs> God doesn't know your gender anymore. <laughs> you know, I've come to give you. It, it doesn't not always happen that way. He will not magically give you his vision for your life. God doesn't behave that way. But you see, as you follow your passion, when you get into the place of purpose, nobody will tell you this is your place of purpose. Are you with me? It, it, it's like you, you know it because we have a certain spirit inside of us. In Romans chapter 8, he said, verse 16, he says that the, the spirit in us bears witness with his spirit. Are you with me? We have a certain spirit in us that bears witness with the spirit. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you get into the place of purpose, nobody will tell you, you know. Because you're, you see that your heart is at rest. There's a certain rest in that place. Hallelujah. So I pray for all of us that we'll follow that passion that we have. Amen. We need to follow that passion. Number two, when God is giving you a vision for your future he, that he wants for you, he'll open doors that are outside your control. This is how you know that this is where God wants me to be. The place where he takes you is not the place you plan to be. Hallelujah. How many planned three years ago to be sitting where you are sitting? And be doing what you are doing. Are you getting it? If a door opens, that this door is not, I didn't open this door. This can only be God. Then that's an indication. Where I am, is, it, it can only be God. Okay, so let me balance the last point. While you... While we certainly need to an abundance of energy and passion from the Holy Spirit for the work that he has called us, sometimes God opens certain doors. It's not the plan, your plan, but when you are in it, you see that this, I'm getting good at this thing. I'm getting good at this thing. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, this one is totally out of my control. Sorry? I can't remember the sentence <laughs> to repeat it. It's like the door is outside your control. But as you get in there and you begin to do something, at the beginning it feels like this is not me. I can't do this. I can't do that. Before you realize, you're getting good at it. You never planned to be a pastor. In fact, you were very shocked when they called you as a, a pastor. But as you move on, you get it. Mm. It looks like this thing, I'm, I can do it too. It looks like I'm getting good at this thing. It looks like, it feels, it feels natural. It feels, then before you realize that, somebody comes, oh, this thing you are doing, I saw it. I remember once my mother told me that when you were very little, about four or five years old, somebody came to pray in the house and then said that this your son will be a great man of God. He said, I didn't, my, my mother said, I forgot. 
The very first day my mother ever saw me preaching. This was many years after I started preaching. She came to visit us. We're in Birmingham. I don't know whether you remember. That's the only time my mother sat in my church service, just once. When we got home, I said, ah, I remember. I said, you remember what? I said, many years ago, this man used to come and pray in our house. And one day you were running. He said, one of your sons. And then you ran. He said, yeah, one of your sons. That son, he will become a great man. Me and preaching were this apart. And I thought, okay, in our church, as for music, as for choir, that is where I, my bar stops. As for this one, it was not part of the plan. Are you getting it? But then as I went in there, hey, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can do it. Oh, okay. Maybe then you realize that God gives you a certain grace. And somebody say, how do you do it? It's a grace. As the door opens, a certain grace comes upon you to do it. See, David never planned to be a, 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 a king. He was a worshiper. And then he was called, the brothers who were shepherds had gone to war. So his father said, okay, gather the sheep. And go. So he was not a shepherd. Because of he was a replacement shepherd. <laughs> he was a reserve shepherd. A substitute shepherd that was called. A part-time shepherd that was called. I have a lot of preachers in this church. Yeah, a part-time shepherd. So the main shepherd had gone to war. So the replacement shepherd was called in. And then as he came he realized, okay, he loves this sheep. And it's a good uh, uh, job because he can now spend time to write his psalms and play his harp as the sheep are eating. And the more he did it, then now a lion comes to attack. Then he has to fight. Then a bear comes to attack. Then he has to fight. Then what he didn't realize was that God was teaching him how to handle complex group of creatures. Well, you can handle sheep, you can handle human beings. Because human beings think the same as sheep. Oh, it's not an insult. It's the truth. That is why the Bible says we are the sheep of his pasture. Because our thinking is the same. Hallelujah. So as he learned how to handle sheep, one day he goes to visit his brothers at the army barracks. Then he realized that there is a, this big monster, Goliath, who is making noise and insulting the army people. Then he says, ah, but I just killed a lion the other day. I killed a bear the other day. This monster is like one of the lions and the bears are killed. Let me go and fight. I can fight him. Then he goes to fight this bear, this monster, and then he kills this man. Then before he realizes things happen, he runs away, he goes every night, he has his own personal army. From, from a shepherd 
from a substitute shepherd, now he's a, a, a leader of a, a little group of fighters. All those things were doors that were being opened. And in each place, God gives him the skill to do what he was doing, and he becomes comfortable at doing nothing. Until he gets into being the king. And then he finds out that he's comfortable doing nothing. The same way, David is not special. David is not different from us. You and I, God will open some doors. And we'll find ourselves from the substitute shepherd to the main shepherd, from the main shepherd to uh, (laughs) a killer of a lion and bear. And then before you realize, you are now a leader of a gang, then from a lead, killing Goliath, then you are being chased away by the king. Now, now from chasing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, as you go on, you realize that God's will is being done in your life. The doors that are open, you enter, it looks like I can't do it. But then gradually, God gives you a certain grace. Then it comes, it comes something you can do. Then it gives you, it moves you another place. Each time it feels uncomfortable, but each time as you go on, you see that these doors are specific doors that are being opened. And if you can look from where you have come from to where you are, God will sh- you will see the purpose of God for your life. It becomes clear. Are you with me? Number three, God will show you how to apply certain scriptures that you have read to your situation to show you where God wants you to go. Because certain scriptures, certain words, when I say scripture, I don't mean just reading of the word, but sometimes they're preaching, as I even I'm preaching now. If you are listening after a point, if you go back and you're watching your life, you can see that, ah, this is what God has been doing in my life. Like I said, the spirit inside us bears witness with the spirit. So that you read or you hear something and it's like, ah, this is a key to my purpose. Have you ever heard a preaching and that as the preacher was going, like, mm, this is my purpose on, in, in, on this earth? Are you, are you with me? Oh. <laughs> Somebody say, mm. I don't know why you're saying, mm. is it a good mm, or a bad mm? <laughs> Hallelujah. See, so let us not run away from God's purpose for our lives. Because sometimes we behave like uh, um, Jonah. When God is opening a certain door, do we say, no, we don't want this door. I want to go to Tarsus. I want to go to Tarsus. I want to go far away from the presence of God. Because this door God has opened, I don't want it. I don't like the people. I don't like the people. I want to go elsewhere. No, no, no. You may end up in the belly of a fish when you didn't have to go to the belly of the fish. But you see, whether you go through the belly of a fish or you go through the boat or the ship, to get, you will still end up in the navy. Have you ever gone to the, the, from the airport and you try to pass a different... Uh, door because you wanted a shortcut to beat all the people that are there. 
Somebody will just say, no, 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 you are in the wrong place. Go back. <laughs> or you pass here, pass here. By the time you go, you open your door, then it's like, mm. it's open to a closet. <laughs> you see uh, dust pans and mop and buckets there. Then you see that you have to get back. By that time, the queue is longer than you. So you see, Jonah made his journey longer and darker and scarier. He said, out of the belly of hell do I cry to you. I mean, why do you have to cry to God from hell, from the belly of a fish? When it was very easy, sit in the boat to Nineveh and go and preach. Easy. See, God, he says that he leads us in a peace along still waters, green pastures, nice place. If you follow, you realize it's easy. But when you try to hear though, I, when you, I walk, when I walk, the first place I end up is what? Valley of a shadow of death. But when he is leading me, nice, besides still waters, Path of righteousness. Lie down green pastures. Then I take over. Hallelujah. So I'm talking to you. If you have been in an I place, come back. <laughs> to his place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I places are not good. <clears throat> iPhone may be nice, but I places are not good. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? See, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. That this is the right place. Don't be in a hurry to go somewhere else. Because there's a certain peace that comes upon you when you're in the right place. There's a certain rest that comes upon you. Even when you are going through difficulty and the place looks difficult, it's a, you, are, you have a certain peace. That, yes, it's going to, because when God is leading, it's not always rosy. But there's that blessed assurance that he's with you. Am I talking to somebody? Number four, when God is giving you a vision for your life, the future he wants for you, he will help you to know what to sacrifice. He will because anytime you follow God, you have to pay some price. Are you with me? But you know, in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. The perfect way of God for your life, it comes from the place of living sacrifice, present continuous tense. Hallelujah. It is not a once-off sacrifice. It's a present continuous sacrifice. Hallelujah. But as you follow on, I say as you follow on, you will get to know. So after Having said all that, how are you and I going to discover the purpose of God for our lives, where we sit? 
Number one, pray to God for clarity of his vision. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, in the NIV says that in him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Hallelujah. Let me read it again. In him we were also chosen. Okay? According to the plan. So he did not just choose us for the sake of choosing, but he had a plan. Find the NIV for me. Do you have NIV? You don't. He said, according to the plan. He had a plan. He chose us according to plan. Someone say according to plan. Say chosen according to plan. Who works out everything in conformity to his plan and or his purpose. So that he doesn't just have a plan, but he's working the plan. Somebody says he's working the plan. He's not just a plan. He's a plan, but the plan has a working. The plan is according to the one who works everything. So we are like puppets being in a string, being pulled by a puppet master. So you have to pray that you, that plan that he has becomes clearer to you. Am I making sense? So that you can go along. Because if the puppet master wants the dance to be like this, and you are trying to do something else, it won't work. But you must know when he pulls this, it means this leg has to go. And the hand has to grow like that. That's the dance. So our prayer is that let me understand what you are doing. Are you with me? Let me understand what you are doing with my, my life. So that we, we see, for us, especially modern Christians, we are too much in control. We are too much. We want to control. We don't want to relinquish the control to God. That's prayer, let your will be done in my life. It's not a, certain, it's not a very good prayer to pray. If you are not ready. Because when you pray that prayer, it means that you abandon your plans. Are you with me? Because you say that thy will be done. Let your will be done in my life. What you are saying is that my plans don't mean anything. Be the one who is moving the leg, which leg you want to move. Moving me which direction you want me to move. Doing what you want me to do. Amen. Whether you feel that that's the right thing for you or not. But you see, the good thing about this is that Romans 8.28, that everything works together for your good. When you give him that place that his will be done in your life, it will work for your good. Because you are called according to his purpose, not your purpose, his purpose. And his purpose means that his plan. And his plan means that his vision. Amen. 
So we get our vision from God, not from ourselves. We get our vision not from our parents. We get our vision not from our, our school, uh, what do you call it? Those people who do a career, career advisor. No, you don't get the purpose of God from a career advisor. You get it from God himself. Amen. Listen to what D.L. Moody says. Says that, this, this is what he said on his deathbed, dear Moody. He said that, if God be your partner, make your plans large. If God be your partner. Because the thing is that when, you know that when you are planning your life, you plan according to where you are. And what you can see. But when God is in charge, God's will for your life is bigger than what you can ever think for yourself. Amen. Number two, get the necessary training. Someone say training. Everywhere God is going to call you to requires training. Hallelujah. And at each level, there's a training regime. At the level of being the substitute shepherd, there was a training regime that David had to go through. He sits at home. His father says, go and give food to your brothers in the field. Then he runs to go and give food. And then he sees the welfare of your brothers and the sheep. So he goes with the food, gives to his brothers, then he looks at the sheep to see whether they are intact. Everything all right, everybody okay. Then he goes to take the report to his father. Sheep doing okay, shepherds doing okay. That was the training. So in passing, you have to check that each sheep, the number of sheep that were given to the brothers are intact. Because you have to go and report the sheep, half of them are missing. Do you understand? So you have to be quick at counting the sheep quickly without your brothers knowing what you are doing. And check your brothers to see whether they are all all right. Nobody's foot is broken. Nobody is doing something that is they, they are not supposed to be doing. Do, do you get it? All that, that was the training for the level he was. But that training was meant for him to also understand that one day you will be the shepherd. There won't be your 10, uh, 11 brothers there. It will just be you looking after all this. So you must know how to count the sheep quickly. Check their welfare. And lead them. Are you with me? But what he didn't realize is that that training regime there was also showing him how to check the welfare of the people that he's leading. Because one day he'll be leading a group of army people into the cave of Adullam. And he has to check their welfare. Because they will enter the, the, the cave depressed, in debt, discouraged, discontented, discomfited, broken. So if, you are, if you are working with people who are, who are discouraged and broken, and in debt. It means you are dealing with a lot of emotionally unstable people. A lot of depressed people. 
So you must quickly know their state. Because if somebody is depressed, they can easily turn against you. So you see, that quick substitute shepherd training and the quick training of being the main shepherd of a lot of sheep. 12, 11 people are looking after sheep. Then one person is looking after the whole number of sheep. Which one has more work to do? Are you getting it? Then it goes on. Now you are leading a group of people. They are all looking up to you. And so these guys were crazy guys. Eh? This uh, uh, son of Agi and uh, that uh, guy from Dodua. You know, all them guys, they were very crazy guys. All those guys, they are, they are, they are emotionally unbalanced. So you need that training. And he didn't realize that training in the cave was the thing that he was going to use to lead the whole army. Hallelujah. Are, are you getting this? So at each level, the training you are getting is very important. I always say I never went to Bible school. My Bible school was a choir. A choir of about 30 people. Disgranted. Some of them, they were crazy. Some of them were not correct. Some of them, say, well, what? Some of them will come, say, Pastor, you come, uh, uh, Chris, the guy is coming tonight, what should I do? Because this guy, anytime he comes, back in the ground. One day, say, the guy said, I'm going to wear the tightest jeans. I said, Sister, this tightest jeans will not help. You know the jeans that takes about three girls to put on? The one that you have to go like this about 50 times before it comes from your, your tie up. <laughs> oh, you, do, you, do, you haven't seen that jeans before? Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. The one whose husband is throwing her things from the 23rd floor to the ground and you are chilling. Diving around to catch the bags. Those were the guys I was conducting. Crazy people. But that was my greatest Bible school. For you can lead that group and make them into something. Then you can lead a church. Are you getting it? So at each level, God will make you have to learn how to do certain things. Don't be somebody who is blasé about the training regime. See, I always say something, and I've seen it as a choir director for many years. What you do at rehearsal is what you do on stage. Have you seen those who don't like standing up when they are singing? When it's rehearsal, every time they want to sit down. Every time they are distracted. As they also sing, la, they see them chatting. So I ready? One, two, three, sing. Then you stay chatting with somebody as they are supposed to sing. So it means that we have to stop and then start again. Sometimes you teach them the part. Before you turn, they've forgotten their part because you were chatting as you were talking. Some, some of them, as you are talking, they are on their phone. When they come and stand on Sunday, they don't do anything different. They think that from what they are doing there, they will come and do magic here. It doesn't happen. No. What you do at the rehearsal, it's the same thing you do 
on stage. You know, there, there was a footballer, David Beckham. He was one of the best. Not that he was, he was not a very good footballer. Beckham was not a good footballer. He was not a gifted footballer. All he had was speed. And what he did in practice was just accuracy and shots. So when they finish practice and everybody's gone home, then he will get the young boys to stand. Then he put the ball down. And then he will kick over their heads. Different freak, different angles to score. Everybody's gone home. They finish there about two hours or three hours after the practice. Everybody's gone. You see, sometimes the boys get, the little young boys, they get angry and fed up because they are tired. So they all leave. Then you go and get the dummies. You know, the, they have the, the dummies. They will put them, line them up. Then you start playing different particular shots. Sometimes you put a ring in the, on the pole because he wants to hit the ball through a certain ring. Then you'll be doing, everybody's gone home. Three hours, the guy's still there. And it wasn't just once. He was doing every time. Every time. Every time. No wonder it got to a point when there's a free kick at a certain place, the players and everybody think that it's a goal. The goal has already been scored. Because the guy perfected practice. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? A lot of us, the reason why we don't walk in God's purpose for our lives is that we don't take his practice serious. When is, when is the time for practice, then we are joking. We joke with the practice time. That is why we don't amount to much. Are you with me? This same thing I'm talking about with um, brother David. Saul went through the same thing. But Saul joked with the practice. Saul was also looking out for his father's sheep. And they ended up in Prophet Samuel's house. And his father's donkeys. They ended up in, the, in the Prophet Samuel's house. He said, when you're going, you will meet some guys. They are carrying loaves. Some are carrying drink. They will give you the loaves. You know? And then when you go, should the, the loaves you're giving him was the word of God. They will give you, when they give you, take the bread, take. Take it. Hold the bread well. Then when you go, some will, somebody will give you wine. The wine is a spirit. Take the spirit. Use it well. So use the word and the spirit. Then as you go, you will get to meet the prophets. They will be prophesying. You will go and join them. But he just went, okay, bread, he took it. Okay, wine, he took it. Okay, prophesy. He started prophesying. He said, Saul among the prophets. He didn't even learn any lesson there. Because to lead, you have to be a priest, a prophet, and a king. Those are the three things that qualifies you to be a king in Israel. You have to be a priest, which means that the word and the spirit you have to master it. You have to be a prophet. That is why you go to prophesy with the prophets before you become a king. Are you with me? David went through his, his, his priestly garment was in the wilderness when he was writing his psalms. He learned the, the spirit, the word, 
the spirit from there. Then he learned the prophecy. If you read Psalm 24, Psalm 25, see, he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right until I make your, your enemies your footstool. Those were all prophecies that he was writing. God gave him that spirit to write prophecy. So he was a prophet as well as a king. But Saul joked with the, the, the training regime. He didn't take it serious. He didn't take the word serious. He didn't take the spirit serious. He didn't take the... That is why he, he did so many mistakes. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Most of us, the reason why we don't walk in our, our pep, the God-given purpose is that the training regime, sometimes we close our eyes to it. If you want to be a good choir, a good singer, your rehearsal is the most important. Not the Sunday. More than the Sunday. That is where you get all the things you need to get. You get the spirit of the song. You get the, 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 the music and the notes and how to even dance. They don't dance in the rehearsal. That's why they don't do dance well when they are singing. They're always very distracted when they are sitting there and doing rehearsal. Half of the time, some people, all their, their job is to chat whilst they are trying to chat. You see them chatting. And so when they stand there, they feel like chatting. So you see them going like this. <laughs> yeah. So training is everything. Are you with me? Yeah. You, are, you put on the drums, it's nothing. But it's showing you dedication. If you are dedicated, time you have to be there, you are there on time. Say play, you are playing. If you say do this, you are doing it. Sometimes it's boring, but you have to keep at it. It's showing you discipline. Say come and do this. They take you to another place. They show you something. You've got to learn it. Then shall we know if you follow on. You follow on to know in that wherever you are put, your dedication is there. Are you with me? You are dedicated. You are disciplined. You learn everything you need to learn. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Number, let me finish. Let me finish quickly. Number three, your goals. The goals that you are giving. At each point, you are giving goals. How do you achieve the goals? Do you achieve the goals? Yeah? Faithful in little things. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least will be faithful in much, isn't it? Yeah. When you are faithful in little goals, you achieve the goal. It's little. It's little thing, but achieve it. Father sent you, go and give food to your brothers and check their welfare. It's a little task. Do it and achieve the goal. They send you to go and be a shepherd. Achieve that goal. Little, little things. Be faithful with that small thing. It looks like nothing, but do it with all your might. If you are not faithful with that which is another man's, who will give you your own? Verse 12. That's Luke 16, 12. If you are not faithful in that little thing that you have been given to look after, you won't get your own thing. Amen. Number four, that's the last one for today. Exercise faith. Everything you will do and achieve in life with God takes faith. Amen. <clears throat> Anyone that comes to God must know that he is. Amen. 
without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. God, with God, everything you have to do. Faith is like the muscle. Faith is like the muscle. Faith is like running for an athlete. An athlete who doesn't know how to run is not an athlete. <laughs> Isn't that true? If you're a footballer and you can't run, you're not a footballer. <laughs> I, I, I don't care how much skill. You know that some people can do a lot of skill when they are standing in one place with the ball. Have you seen those people? Do all the magic. They'll do. They'll put the ball in their head. They'll roll. They'll put it in their back. They'll put it, you know, they'll dance with it. And those people, they, they don't do good, good. They're not good footballers. Because sometimes they can't run. <laughs> so we enjoy them doing tricks with the ball. But when you put them on the field, they don't do much. Amen. Because they don't have what it takes. What it takes is moving the ball from one end to the desired place, which is the back of the net of your opponent. And it takes faith. It takes that muscle. It takes running. It takes having that passion to take the ball from where you are, beat all the defenders, and then score. Hallelujah.